Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Welcome to episode 140. We're doing Lori Vallow updates. Updates since they found something. And we've got two guestesses this time. It's a happy Father's Day special edition. Special. Special. We have a father and daughter. So David's back in studio and he brought his spawn. Say hello. Say hi, spawn. Uh, hi. Hi, I'm, I'm spawn. <laughs> I'm spawn. I am spawn. I'm Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be a long one. It really is. <laughs> Before we get started, though, we should talk about some stuff. If you guys want to check us out on social media, you can do so at uh, the. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's Color Me Dead Pod. If you want to see us on Facebook, it's Color Me Dead Podcast page. We also have the group. Enter at your own risk. Uh, If you guys want to check us out on Instagram, it's Color Me Dead Podcast or Gory underscore Nikki or Color Me Dead Angel. I always want to raise my hand there like they can see me. That's me. Me. That's me. If you want, you can go check us out on ageofradio.org. You can listen to our show there. You can shop the bazaar. You can check out other shows on our network. You can also donate to our Patreon. Um, there's a button for such things. Or you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast. It's linked in the show notes, just in case I have it wrong, because I did for a couple of times. We have tiers anywhere from a dollar to $75. You get stickers. You get the so-sodes. Go on there and do that. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Uh, If you guys are interested in picking up some merch, you can do so at colormedeadpod.threadless.com. Yes, you can do that there. You can also go, uh, if you're looking for something a little more custom that you don't see on the menu at Threadless, go to LeGraw Creations. Our friend Amanda can pretty much take anything and put it on anything. So if you want a shirt, a tumbler, um, hair bows, I don't know. What do you need? What do you want? What, what do you need? She even made his earrings. Yes. I have bookmarks. I have hoodies. I have tank tops. Key but chains. this is... This is somebody that does individual projects, so. And they're affordable for custom products. Yep. And if you guys want to send us um, severed fingers or fan mail of any sort, goes to Color Me Dead Podcast at P.O. Box 1610, Vernal, Utah, 84078. To the fan box. (laughs) To the fan box. (laughs) It's my favorite. Leon. I don't know if anybody else is entertained by that, but I Ring the bell and bring the fan box. Put it in the fan box. Are we ready? Where are we going to start? Start at the beginning. The beginning. So where we left off. All right. So the way I wrote this is, or the way it's written is that I'm going to kind of go over just a few updates so that everybody kind of remembers where we were at and just a, a brief description of the key players. And there's some new players. Um, that have come in since. Uh, uh, Hori's mom and her sister have done an interview. Um, I thought you said Corey at first. I was like, wait, and then it clicked. I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so her, her mom and sister have come in and done an interview. Melanie Gibb has done an interview. Um, Melanie Pawlowski has done a couple interviews. So anyways, I'm just going to re- reiterate who who's who. 
and who the new players are for this episode. Told you last time, like this, is, we could go a week and we got a whole new story. Oh no, like kidding! New, new shit just pops up all the time. So many people. I know. So because we all know how confusing this case has been, I thought it'd be best to do a quick recap of the important things to note leading up to the episode, and remind everyone of important players in the episode, just briefly on who they are, who the role is, etc. So. We all know Chad Daybell, a.k.a. Potato, if you if you look on any That's of the... That's Chinny Chinny Chad. Chinny Chinny Chad, <laughs> a.k.a. Wait. Chinny Chad Chinnington. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chinny, Chinny Chad Chinnington, a.k.a. Potato. A.k.a. Potato, yeah. Chad and his potato head. <laughs> <laughs> you unfortunate looking and if you look, son if of you, a bitch. If you've seen him, he's lost a lot of weight, but his chins yeah. haven't. So no. it's... Hey, listen, we, I don't want to talk about that. I kind of don't either. <laughs> okay, so Chad, Chinny Chinny Chad Chinnington... He is the leader of the unconfirmed cult, preparing a people, claims to see individuals as light and dark, or if they have been inhabited by zombies, a.k.a. possessed by dark spirits. Originally married to Tammy Daybell, who he predicted her death for years. He originally stated that she would die in a car wreck and was extremely vocal about her predicted death with friends and on his podcast. When too much time had passed and she did not die in a wreck... She conveniently dropped dead of natural causes. He got natural caused. Got natural caused at the age of 47. Autopsy is still pending on Tammy. Chad married Lori weeks after Tammy died and stated to family members that she was an empty nester and had no juvenile children. How would you how would you feel about that though if you were the the family like Chad Daybell's family and hey, just sticking we- up for him? It's insane. Just weeks and I don't think I can get behind that. Like if he if if you were a married person and were a widower and just weeks after you'd put your wife into the ground, I'd be like, really? There's dude? there's a uh... There's rumors that Lori was at her funeral. I wouldn't be surprised. Like handing out handing out snacks to her children and stuff like that. Oh. That's uh, unconfirmed. So, well, you know what we need. You know how some people hire photographers to commemorate funerals. We need to see if they had anybody taking photos. I think so there are. Can, like think, go through yeah. and look at them. I think. The, the, I used the, to think that was so bizarre when people hired photographers to. Be at a funeral. I'm like, but why though? I don't. But even now we know why. Murders. Murder. For the murder. <laughs> so the next. Po- sorry, I remembered what I was going to say a minute ago. Oh, is this podcast? <laughs> yeah, his podcast got taken down. Right? It's not still up. No, it's down. Dang it! It's down. I really want to listen. I know. To I tried it. to find it too. I think it's really weird that a company will yank a podcast, but Facebook still has the original posts from. Gypsy Rose Blanchard about mm-hmm. killing her mom. Mm-hmm. They're still there. They're still online. Leave that stuff up for us. Don't yank it, please. Ta- Tammy's. Uh, I know. I want to hear it. Tammy's Facebook post about getting shot at that night or the attempted shooting. Remember? Yeah, and it, that, it's still it's up. still up there. Yeah, you can still. Yeah, find the, it. stop. Stop. The paintball gun. Holy crap! I think I did go look at that. Did the family know about the predicted car accident? Um. Yeah. Yeah. And they were just and like, they're, they're they still, all equally as brain dead and well, off people. Now, if they're like, oh my God, he's the Lamb of God, he's prophesizing. Chad had a premonition. <laughs> he had a vision. Not... Did you not hear him? He you said he saw I can, it. I can read the book of Revelations and come up with this like similar prophecies. You know what I mean? You And you too yeah. could be in prison one day. Maybe I'll do it like <laughs> David Koresh. I don't know yet. Maybe. Maybe. You're going to go out. Um... Yeah, so they did know all about it, and they were all gung ho. Like, there's a there's a video of uh, the news doing an interview, and Emma Daybell coming up behind and like making fun, making faces at the camera and mm-hmm. stuff like that. 
Like she and she's been very vocal on the on the website on the Facebook pages. She'll argue with people and say, and there's rumors that her husband Joseph Ryan was uh, the the one who started the release Lori Vallow page. I got banned from it since last episode. Oh well, they changed the <laughs> so name of it. Anyway. Yeah, now it's Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell are spawns of Lucifer. Yeah. Uh, something like that really yeah they changed wow. it the other yeah. day because i saw that on the that's funny. underground one that yeah I'm on. well we used to when we make fun of it we always call it the rlv page release lori vallow and now it's like the rl the vl abcdefg it's too long yes and that so the next person is lori cox ryan vallow daybell hori A.K.A. Hori, A.K.A. Shallow Vallow. Shallow like Vallow. That's a good one. That is a good one. Mm-hmm. Lori, is, <laughs> Lori is the mother of missing Tylee Ryan and J.J. Vallow. Lori became smitten with Chad when she found out his Doomsday podcast and started attending his conferences. Uh. At this time, she was still married to Charles Vallow, now deceased, who Chad would later claim is now a zombie. Lori is a former Texas beauty pageant queen and was raised in a very adamant anti-government family. Could you imagine being against her in a pageant? You get natural cause. Like the fish mouth. I honestly, you know what I re- that reminds me of? Is remember Drop Dead Gorgeous? Where the mom goes in and systematically kills off the beauty queens that were like the competition? That See? would be being in competition with Lori Vallow. Mm-hmm. You should look over your shoulder. We should go see if anybody got natural cause back in Texas. So, and then and then I, we've kind of gone over her anti-government family. Um, her dad being a lawyer and all that. Anyways... Alex Cox, now deceased, brother to Lori, always known to be her protector. Hmm. Served time in prison for attacking Lori's third husband, Joseph Ryan, now deceased, and father to Tylee Ryan. Alex was also a part and devout member of the Prepare People cult. Hmm. Melanie Gibb, a.k.a. Mel G, not to be confused with the Spice Girl Mel B. (laughs) Best friend to Lori and close friend to Chad. Melanie believes she was part of the 144,000 that Lori was destined to lead into the Celestial Kingdom. Mel G was asked to lie to police about the location of JJ and state that JJ was with her at the movies. Melanie Gibb denied this request, told police she hadn't seen JJ in a few months, but only days after when her boyfriend allegedly pushed her to come forward. All right. So, uh, so Melanie Pawlowski, a.k.a. Mel P, a.k.a. Narciss- narcissistic wackadoodle. <laughs> <laughs> Lori's niece, previously married to Brandon Boudreaux, who was allegedly sought, shot by Alex, this investigation is still pending. Mel P is now married to Ian Polowski and pregnant with his child. Oh no! Yes. Was that is that new? Yeah. Well, oh, I hope it's I born human and but not they zombie. figured I, yeah they, <laughs> they figured out how to take the dark spirits out. Apparently, they're reproducing. That was a joke. No, they haven't. Oh, I, I wouldn't. Put I was it like, wait, them. what? All right. So Janice Cox, <laughs> singular, mother to Lori. Not much background other than she is a liar. Personal opinion. What? Yeah, she she's batshit crazy. Like, there's liars in this story. It's weird. I know. No. Summer Shiflet, sister to Lori, Kay and Larry Woodcock, grandparents to JJ Vallow, asked for the well check on JJ when Lori was no longer allowing any communication with him. Emma and Joseph Murray. Emma is the daughter of Chad Daybell, and married to Joseph Ryan. They know they're known for mocking media and harassing the general public when people post concerns about the children. They aren't really key members. Just wanted to remind everybody that they're human garbage. Okay. Things to remember. Chad and Lori flew, uh, fled to Kauai, Hawaii, the same night after police showed up after the welfare check on J.J. Vallow. After being in Kauai for nearly a month, Rexburg Police Department finally charged Lori with 
child desertion charges and set bail at $5 million. Once Lori was extradited back to Rexburg, her bail was lowered to $1 million, which she still hasn't made, so she has continued to sit not so pretty in jail. She wasn't all that pretty before. With that fish mouth. The fish mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I just want a slapper. Guppy. Yeah. <coughs> Ramen noodle hair. Um, Ramen noodle hair. Listen here, chill house beauty queen. <laughs> Do you know what? I would like that hair on anybody but you. She comes out with that red lipstick, the Kool-Aid lipstick. I know exactly how she made it. I saw that in an episode of um, Taboo. Like how to make jailhouse makeup. I kept wondering how she was always showing. I thought her, they said that her lawyer gave it to her, but. Oh, probably. Well, damn it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I wanted her take to get ta- like Take your Taboo better. and shove it up your. Chad has oh. been residing in Rex- Rexburg ever since and has been heavily monitored by local police and FBI. They're, they're likely hoping he would slip up and expose some new information on the children. Also remember that the FBI and law enforcement have confiscated all of Lori, Chad, and Mel P's electronic devices. This is important later, but from what we've been told, Lori has dozens of burner phones. The last time Tyler Ryan was seen was entering Yellowstone National Park on September 8th. September 8th. The camera at Westgate saw her come into the park but did not capture her leaving. They also pulled a picture of Tylee holding JJ next to Alex by one of the geysers from Lori's iCloud. JJ was last seen September 23rd. He was pulled out of school where Lori claimed he would now be homeschooled. It was known. It was unknown who reported last seeing JJ until now. Noted, when Charles and Lori, Lori were going through a divorce, she informed Charles that she was the leader of the 144,000, and if he got in her way, she would have him killed, and she had an angel who would do that for her. It was speculated that that angel was, she was speaking about was Alex. Hmm. I think we'll find some of those root rumors to be true. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. Update. Okay, so now that we're caught up on the basics, hopefully that makes sense, or that makes this case a little easier to follow. So where we left off was the first part of Mel P. and Ian Pulowski's interview with Nate Eaton. Really, it was just a self-serving interview to make her look innocent in the hopes of getting her children back from Brandon. Brandon took her children and fled when all of the rumors of this cult started to spread and Tylee and JJ went missing. She had an opportunity to fight for them back in March. I think it's March, I'm not sure, but uh, but she never showed up to court. So save the party, <laughs> pity party for someone who cares. <clears throat> that was really all three parts of the interview. Nothing spectacular, just a lot of, oh, Lori was so sweet growing up. And she would never, and the media's hyping this up, and a lot of blame on the grandparents, Larry and Kay. Of who, course. Who filed for the welfare check. Because uh, they're the ones that let it all out there. Yeah. Well, yeah, and basically stating that they were nasty people, and they were the ones causing all these problems, uh, seems to be the typical response for any of these Lori Chad supporters. They took this agenda of an ugly custody battle and ran with it, which really doesn't make any sense, because Tylee, at the age of 17, had no relation to Lori, uh, Kay or Larry. Yeah. And not to mention, she was almost an adult, so um, kind of debunks their, their little custody battle theory. All right, so what's new? On May 8th, 2020, Alex Cox's autopsy came back, stating that he died from, drum roll please, <laughs> natural causes. What? The report states that Alex died from a bilateral pulmonary Anyone want to give that one a shot? Point at it. Sounds like an Italian dish. (laughs) Thromboboli. Thromboboli. Thromboemboli. Yeah, it's a thromboemboli. Well, anyways, this is a condition in which the arteries in the lungs become blocked by blood clots, which, okay, hear me out, no. There's no way that he just conveniently drops dead the day after Tammy's body was exhumed. Octopus pison. 
Maybe look up poisons that can cause bug cuts in the lungs. So I did. I was going to. I was starting to. And then I was like, hey, I'm sitting next to a nurse and a doctor. Let's just ask them, right? I was like, are there any poisons that could cause blood clot in the lungs? And after 20 minutes of, well, it could be this. And and that's how I knew the emboli part. He's like, that's a pulmonary emboli or what embolism something. I don't know. Whatever. But he said um, pulmonary edema can be caused by being hit and it can come on later. Don't quote me here. But it could come on later over a couple of days and then that could kill him. Or prescription drugs that are given at high doses can cause those. Ah, so maybe he was a pill popper. (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe someone was popping pills to him. Yeah, somebody was giving him... Because that's what I was thinking, like, okay, we're done with you. You did your job. Take some of these. Do you need help sleeping? Take some of these. (laughs) You hurt? Take some of these. The doctor gave me these for pain. Here, take five. It's fine. They're prescriptions. They're only only fives, Oxy-80s. Yeah. (laughs) Take three. Right now, and then in an hour, take two more. She takes them for her um, cancer. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's fine. She takes three, so I'm thinking we could do ten. <laughs> My neighbor says that if you put them on foil and rub some water on them, wait, wait. <laughs> um. So I find I found it a little ironic that after this report came out is when members of Lori's family decided to start speaking out. It's almost like they were waiting to see if they got caught, and when they didn't, they were like, "Oh, okay, now we can say something." This is when Janice and Summer decided to do an interview for the first time. It's complete trash, especially given what we know now. This is where they get caught in all the lies. Uh, uh, anyways, um, so let's we, now we can do. Who wants to be Janice? We'll play. I'll be Jonathan. Who wants to be Janice? You'll be Janice. You be Janice. You be Summer. I'll be Summer. Okay, so this is the interview. We're 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 replaying it. Um, so I'm Jonathan. I'm the interviewer. Berlin is Lori's mom. You are Lori's sister. So, and when you asked her how my grandchildren are doing, what did she say? As far as I can remember, she said, you know me, mom. The kids are fine. Deep down, did you believe that? I did believe it, yes. She said the same thing to me. We know there's a whole other side to the story. After Charles had died, Lori had been continuously threatened and she wanted to go somewhere safe she didn't want to tell any of us where she was going because she was being followed and threatened threatened by who by people who loved charles and wanted revenge for his death i was gonna say zombies but i figured i probably (laughs) should read what she said um so side note she was so scared about retaliation from charles death that she threw a pool party hours after he was shot Uh sure jan well that's just you know to stay under the radar Anyway, back to summer. I'm back. Well, she's less likely to be natural caused if she's in a herd of people. There's safety in numbers. Right there is. That's you got a point there. Yeah. That's logic. Yep. Okay, I'm going back to summer. It was a big brain move. It was. This is summer again. I don't know all of her reasons for doing what she's doing, but I know she has has the reasons <laughs> she has the reasons she, she interviews them, she interviews like i do listen she's got those reasons all right so 
But that still doesn't explain why Lori was off in Hawaii dancing on the beach with Chad Daybell while her children were nowhere to be found. Hmm. So back to the interview. I am Jonathan. Something's not adding up here. Where are they? Where is JJ and Tylee? It's a great question. We would love to know the answer to that. We don't know, but we are very confident that Lori would never harm her children. <laughs> She's the best person I know. She's just the kindest, loving person that there is. Is Lori part of some strange cult? No. No, not that we know of. No. No. <laughs> Good job. Thanks. <laughs> no. Not? <laughs> she's not preparing for the end of the world? She doesn't believe that she is leading the 144,000? No. She has never said the end of the world was going to happen in July. That has never come from her mouth or fish lips ever. <laughs> okay, it doesn't say fish lips. I added that. <laughs> A lot of the things that have been reported, any small truths that, truths that are in there have been twisted, but most of them are flat out not even true. This is a side note. For example, the police reported no one saw or heard from JJ after September 23rd, but Janice Cox says she called Lori on October 1st, a full week later, and could hear JJ playing in the background. She gave 48 hours on her on the, the episode of 48 Hours. Her phone records that show a 97-minute call. Because 97-minute phone records solves the mystery. I roll. He was alive and well. How do you know that, though? Because I know JJ. No one's going to pretend to be JJ. Side note, at one point, she says JJ actually got on the phone and said, Hi, Mimi, which is his nickname for her. So you spoke with him through the phone. Yeah. Yes. I heard him, and he was out playing. And he just takes the phone, you know, and... He knows, you know, he knows who we are. So he still knew I'm Mimi, you know? He still knew me, Mimi. Is Alex the henchman here? No. <laughs> no, he's not. Alex was the most easygoing, relaxed, hilarious type of person. <laughs> There's nothing about him that was a hitman. He was, she was getting ready to say he was a hilarious hit man, but she had to reel that in. He was hot. <laughs> so, um, that's the end of the interview. Absolutely none of this adds up, and it's all very, very short answers in the hopes that they don't incriminate themselves, in my opinion. One, you mean to tell me that Lori never brought up Doomsday, according to everyone else that she, she could talk to about it, even previously stating how some days I just want to load the kids up and drive them off a cliff with them in it. It would be much easier than them going through the end of times. B, the fact that they continuously laugh throughout the entire interview. Showing no concern for JJ and Tylee is so disturbing. They don't even seem to be bothered by the fact that they are missing. This entire family is whacked. Next on, on the 15 minutes of frame time was Lori's close friend, Melanie Gibb. She has been in hiding since all of this became public. She spoke with Nate Eaton from East Idaho News, and this is what Melanie had to say. When you, when you realize the people that you know and you're close to and love have been involved in something that has to do with people dying, you start to think, oh my gosh, are they going to come after me, Gibbs says. Everything closes in, and you start to think about your own safety and what really happened, and this, and could this really be true? That's why she was on freaking Lori's side. She's like, shit. I don't want to get natural caused. I don't want to get natural caused. I'm just going to stay close to you. Try to. I know. believe. I believe. I believe everything you're saying. <laughs> if it changes tomorrow, I'll believe that too. I don't care. Um, I think it's fair. This is another quote that she said. 
from her interview, I think it's fair to Charles and JJ and Tammy and Tylee that somebody is standing up for what happened to them. I do care for them and the families that are involved, Gibbs says. I decided that the truth was more important than what I wanted. My goal is to speak to the things that have gone on and to those who, who believe Chad and Lori's story. This was her quote on meeting Chad. I wanted to meet him because I thought his dreams were interesting. And when I met him, I thought he was a really nice guy. This was her quote on meeting Lori. She was very excited to hear the things, or I, she was very excited to hear the things I was teaching. So when I went out in the hallway, she came up to me and introduced herself. She told me, a, 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 she told me about a lot of personal experiences she had that were spiritual in nature, and we just hit it off. That's not <clears> something <throat> to brag about. Yeah. <laughs> I hit it, I hit it off, off with, with that murderer. Yeah. Me and that murderer had so much in common. Yeah. You know, that murderer is a really stand-up guy. Just <laughs> looking at him. <laughs> she says that. She says that in the interview. Uh, he's such a good guy. Is he? Is that why he's in jail? The shady... It's where they put the good guys. Hole? Yeah, all of them. Lori and Melanie traveled to Chad's first conference. Lori immediately walked up to Chad, and the conversation became personal. Gibbs said she shared with her that they had met in a previous life and had been buried multiple times before in prior existences. Did you say buried? Married. Buried. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> they started talking about these different beliefs that are not something you learn in church. She said they discussed things out of the, out loud that normally would be talked about privately. Chad's wife, Tammy, and their five children were not at the conference, but Gibbs says Lori was aware he was married. Lori and Chad exchanged phone numbers and began speaking every day. On Chad's religious teachings... While Charles was out of town, Lori invited Mel Gibbs over to her place with Chad. He, Chad, was teaching us about some of his understandings about multiple lives and things of that nature, Gibbs says. It was definitely different. The idea was definitely a new concept. Did I 100% believe any of it ever? No, not 100%. No, when you get introduced to something, you kind of let it marinate. I just listen to let them talk about it, which I find is bullshit. I think she, she bought into the whole thing. Yeah. A lot of the people have different ideas. Is this a cult? Is this not a cult? I would just say from the beginning, it felt like it was talking to individuals, Gibbs says. After the Arizona event, Chad and Lori continued speaking with each other every day. Lori had three phones, one designated solely for Chad. Oh, my. <laughs> that doesn't say suspicious. Uh, don't be suspicious. <laughs> and he had a special phone for their private conversations, according to Gibbs. At one point, Gibbs suggested the pair should divorce their spouses, but told Lori they were not allowed... But Lori told her they were not allowed to because of information they were receiving from the other side of the veil. We have to natural cause them. They got to just go. We can't divorce them. Chad and Lori believed they were the head of the 144,000 chosen people who were to prepare for the world, to prepare the world for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Gibbs says they made her feel special and told her that she was elect, chosen, Ooh. and Lori instead, and Lori insisted they had known each other in previous lives. When she taught me, she was always leading me to believe they were very true. And there would be times I would say, do you think that's a good idea? I didn't voice much opposition to it, but just more listened, Gibbs says. She sounds like somebody that just gobbled up their bullshit because she wanted to be involved. She wanted, the, she wanted to be important. She wanted to be one of the cool kids. Yep. So she was like, feed me. Oh, I'm going to hit that. Feed, feed me, Seymour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is Gibbs, Gibbs' information on Lori's family. Gib remembers for the first time she met Charles, Lori's fourth husband. They were having a barbecue at Valo's home and the kids were swimming in the pool. He seemed like a nice guy, happy to see us, happy to meet us. He was talking a little bit about his conversion to the church and he seemed pretty excited about it, Gib recalls. Gib never saw Charles lose his temper but says he and Lori ar often argued. She confided in Gib that they were having marital problems and there was a lot of contention. 
He was trying to do things to help her and please her and seemed like, and she seemed like she was struggling to be happy with that. Gibbs says she seemed a little frustrated with him. They had something going on that I didn't quite understand. Later, Gibb met Lori's brother, Alex Cox, and her niece, Melanie Boudreaux, now Pulowski, at the same home. Everyone got along, and Gibb describes them as a group of good friends. It was fun and enjoyable. Alex was fun. He was a comedian kind of guy. We talked about all kinds of stuff, sometimes spiritual stuff, sometimes non-spiritual stuff. In the beginning, it was just more casual, Gibb said. Melanie was fun. I really love Melanie. She seemed like she had a lot of strife going on in her life, and she was really worried about her family. The group didn't get together often, but remained close as Chad continued to share his unusual teachings on doubting beliefs. Lori eventually stopped going to church, but would attend the temple as often as she could. It was her favorite place, according to Gibb. And even though she was still married to Charles and Chad was married to Tammy, they went together. One day, Lori told Gibb she was sealed to Chad. So if you guys aren't familiar with the LDS church, um, you can have a, you, they have like a, a ceremony, like a, a reception. But the actual wedding happens in the temple and you get sealed and you get sealed for eternity so that in the afterlife, you're still married in the celestial kingdom, which is weird because uh, Lori's been sealed to multiple men, which cannot happen in the LDS church. Only you, men, men can be sealed you, to multiple women. You have to get a temple divorce, you, right? Yeah, you can be sealed to somebody else, but permission has to be get. And I just barely learned this when a sealed couple gets a divorce and they remarry they then have to be interviewed and give consent to be unsealed so that you can be resealed to your new spouse. Um, and the only reason I know that is because one of our listeners was sealed in the temple and she got a divorce and um, she did not consent to being unsealed. Really? Well, yeah. Um, one day, Lori told Gibb she was sealed to Chad. Later day. Later day. <laughs> later, day. later day, saints. <laughs> <laughs> They say peace out, boys. Later day. It was like Canadian. Later day, Saint. (laughs) Later day. Latter day Saints believe relationships continue after death for a husband and wife who are sealed in the temple. Sealings are performed by officiators in the temple and are recorded in church records. Lori said they felt they were sealed by those on the other side of the veil that had the authority to do that, Gibbs said. She said it was okay that they did this because they had been married so many times before that their current spouses would someday understand. Other teachings alarmed Gibbs, such as Chad creating a spiritual portal in Lori's closet or other places. I really think that was just their little hookup corner. (laughs) Well, yeah. Little little closet. You need to go to the spiritual corner. Yeah, he did. (laughs) The spiritual portal. I will deliver unto you my sermon in the spiritual portal. Show me your portal. From a chance. (laughs) (laughs) You can touch the chance. Do you think that was like... Oh my god, you know how like some royalty would let you yeah. kiss their royal ring? You may touch the chin. You can touch my chins. <laughs> I am Chinny Chad. You're in my closet. Of portals. Of portals. I wonder if you touch did that like if you went chin. down his chins and made like the xylophone noise like... <laughs> <laughs> Mary had a little lamb on his chins. Uh, yes, please. A portal is a spot where a portal is a spot where he said a prayer or something to create the portal. I wasn't there, so I don't know, but it was a way for them to interact spiritually. Gibbs says, "I thought it was different. I thought, how do you do that? It was pretty extreme, but to me, everything was new." Gibbs says Chad had an extensive chart that ranked people based on their spiritual level. It showed biblical apostles, the current latter Latter Day Saints. <laughs> 
12 apostles, celebrities, friends and family members. It was four pages and Gibbs says it detailed how many lives each, each of the people have lived, whether they were dark or light spirits, their previous names and other bizarre information. This is where, uh, Nick Schneider comes in. Remember, Schneider. remember how Charles became Nick or Ned or whatever. Oh yeah. I forgot. Yeah. About that, that That's where the name came from was Char- Chad's list. He, he was Ned, 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 Nick Schneider in a previous. He makes him Ned. Nick, Nick. Just according to Chad. Yeah. Ugh. From his visions. He's a visionary. Remember? Vision is scary. Lori had experienced 21 lives and Chad was on his 31st life. According to the chart, both had lived five lives on this earth and Chad was considered a Holy ghost. Wow. She said she had always been, had a little bit of doubt about what Chad was saying. And Lori did too. Apparently not. Two to three times. Lori said to me, if Chad is Satan, he sure is a good one. Gibbs says that tends to lead me to believe that she wasn't 100% convinced either. Chad and Lori only seemed to have share these extreme beliefs with those who were close to him. Looking back now, Gib believes they were, they kept it private. So their church membership would not be put in jeopardy. Also doesn't good Satan contradict each other. A good Satan? Yeah. Good Satan. I don't know. Is it satanic? Wreck-It Ralph had a good Satan. It's a to... it's Satan. <laughs> it's a teen. It's a teen. Uh, when you go into the temple, there are certain questions they ask you to see if your belief systems are consistent with the doctrine, Gib says. They were inconsistent, so that's the reason they were going to be secretive about it. They were inconsistent. Secret secrets are no fun. Secret secret secrets secrets hurt hurt someone. someone. That's true, but it's really smart. (laughs) (laughs) She said the doctrine was affiliated with, was not affiliated with any Christianity she knew of. It's not the doctrine that comes from Jesus Christ. It comes from the adversary, the devil, she said. It was September 2019. Lori Vallow was moving to Rexburg, Idaho from Gilbert, Arizona. She didn't want to go at first, according to her best friend, Melanie Gibb, but Chad Daybill insisted she make the move. She said she thought Chad would come to be with her in, Zer- in Arizona. Arizona? <coughs> she'd come be with her in Arizona. And then she said, I changed my plans. I think I'm supposed to be up here in Idaho. He says I'm supposed to be up there, but I need to get my own answer to find out if I'm supposed to be there or not, Gibb recalls. Lori prayed and eventually she said she received the answer that she needed to move to Rexburg which, to be with Chad, Gibbs says. But there was one complication. Chad's wife, Tammy Daybell, who was still alive. <laughs> That's, oh, what a small hiccup. I was a little just speed bump. a wife. We can get over this. <laughs> get small it out of the way. Hitch in our step. That's Go it. ahead and nip that in the butt. <clears throat> Pison. Pison. Knock, knock. Who's there? Pison. Cause. <laughs> cause who? Cause Natural cause. Natural. <laughs> Natural calls. Um, she was uncomfortable with it. She believed that Tammy was going to pass away, though, before she got up there, Gibbs says. That didn't happen. She didn't pass away before Lori got up there. Gibbs says Lori thought Tammy might die in a car crash, but that didn't happen. Uh, so this was uh, in Melanie Gibbs' interview. She talks about her visit to Rexburg. She, she went up and visited for a weekend, and this is what she had to say. Lori moved into a townhouse in Rexburg with her two children, Joshua J.J. Vallow and Tylee Ryan, the first week of September. Lori's brother, Alex Cox, arrived a few days later and rented a different townhouse in the same complex. Gibb visited September 19th and remembers walking around the BYU-Idaho campus and indoor track with Lori and Chad, who were holding hands and kissing. I'm just, I think it's funny that they're like, well, I'm pretty sure there's been a prediction of a car crash. 
and it. Chad's out there like unloosening lugs and cutting <laughs> brake lines. Like this prediction is just messing me up. She is I one hell of this. a driver. <laughs> <laughs> and when the car accident didn't happen, they're like, "Well, a natural cause has got to be right around the corner." I already predicted it. I can't predict it any further. <laughs> Uh, so this is Melanie Gibb. I said, aren't you worried about people, uh, that people are going to see you? Well, Tammy doesn't come out a lot, Lori said. They said a lot of people that knew Chad didn't know what Tammy looked like because they don't do a lot of things together, Gibb says. During their walk, Alex babysat JJ at home, but Tali was not there, and Lori never mentioned her. Weeks earlier, Gibb had spoken to Lori on the phone after she had moved to Rexburg and heard Tylee yelling in the background. She was so, so she was, wait, so she was surprised the 17-year-old was not around. I was told she was at BYU-Idaho, Gibb recalls. I knew that Tally had her GED, which she got when she was 16 or 17. There was definitely a lot of question marks. It didn't feel real. It didn't feel like the truth. I didn't know what to say about it. I wouldn't assume that she had done something to her. It was unusual. Equally concerning was what Lori said about JJ when Gibb arrived in Idaho. She said that he had turned into a zombie the day before I got there, and she was pointing out behaviors of his. She was trying to create uncertainty in uncertainty in me about what I saw. I was looking at him and thought, I don't know, he looked, just looks like JJ to me, Gibbs says. That wasn't the first time Lori had spoken to Gibb about zombies. Why is everybody in your life turning into zombies, Gibbs says. Months before, months before, Chad told Lori over the phone that her then-husband, Charles Vallow, had been possessed and would die in a car crash, according to Gibb. I was in her house when that phone call came in, and he described to her that Charles was no longer Charles, that this unclean spirit that was friends with Charles on Earth had now passed on, and he, and now he is this unclean spirit on the earth roaming around, and he's attached himself to Charles and has now entered his body and taken over, Gibbs says. So he's not really Charles anymore. He's now this guy named Ned Snyder. Gibbs says Lori was blown out and uncomfortable by, by what Chad was telling her. But even though he was quiet, unassuming, and sometimes appeared to be unsure of himself, Lori trusted Chad in his revelations. She would call and ask him questions, and, she, and he would tell her who was a dark or a light spirit. He would say he was receiving revelation about people, Gibbs says. He said the veil between heaven and earth was open all the time, and he had a way of seeing things that Lori could not. So he would tell me, he's so much better at getting revelations than me. I used to get it a lot, but I rely upon him a lot more now. Lori predicted Charles would die in a car crash traveling from Arizona to Texas. When that didn't happen, she questioned why, and Chad responded because it was people... It was, it was because of people's choices, according to Gibb. When their prophecies were not fulfilled, Chad said it was due to the fact that people have agency and some people had changed their agency. Chad and Lori. I wonder if I can just take words and put them in a sentence. Like, listen, some people got agencyed. <laughs> they choose a new one and it's like they like they were shopping for car insurance and picked the wrong one you know they were reassigned Sorry. to a different agency <laughs> yeah i'm like you know dave um the surgical manifestation came out as a metastatic um agency and that's why we're not going with that anymore <laughs> what chad and Lori told gib they knew how many zombies were in every state it was their commission to get rid of all the zombies before tribulations came upon us, she said. They would get rid of zombies through some kind of prayer that they would do, Gibbs says, adding that they believed it was effective because Chad received their death numbers through revelation. Those who questioned the, belief, those who questioned the beliefs were often considered dark. Mind you, this is not a cult. 
No, it never is. If you disagree with it, you're a damn zombie. You can literally turn everything into a joke. And so sometimes Uh, I have to cover my own face. That sounds so that we can get through this. Otherwise, I don't know, man. That's a little little culty, man. I thought you guys. I'm sorry. Did you say death numbers? (laughs) But this isn't a. Um, I'm sorry, sir. I was not agencyed a death number, and I'd like to get mine now. Um, I didn't know that we were supposed to queue up for that and stand in line. I missed the um, line. I was socially distancing during the agency death number physically distribution. Distancing. What? Yeah. Physically distancing. I was, oh, that's right. <laughs> we're not allowed to say socially distancing at work anymore. It's offensive. We're physically distancing. <clears throat> it was a lot of drama. And I would ask Lori, why do, they th- why do these things keep happening to you? Because I have never been around so much drama in my life. It just seemed like it was one drama after another drama. And it never ended, Gibbs says. I used to say to her, why is everybody in your life turning into zombies? Why is everybody after you? I don't understand. And she would say, well, it's because Satan really hates me. And because of my exaltation and the level I'm exalted to, they're coming straight after me. Gibb was never sure about the zombie beliefs and race questions with Alex. He told her, I 100% believe it. But even Lori had her doubts. I don't ever believe Lori completely believed it. You know when you really want to believe something sometimes because the outcome outcome is what you're desiring to have? I think she believed it to a certain level, but I'm not confident she 100% believed it, Gibbs says. On July 10th, 2019, Lori asked Alex to spend the night at her home. The next day, Charles arrived to pick up JJ, and Alex shot him to death. Lori's brother told police that Charles would become very angry, and the shooting was in self-defense. Gibb doesn't buy that explanation and believes that Alex shot Charles to protect his sister from someone she believed was evil. I I didn't know about the shooting until four days after it had happened. She called me and said, hey, did you see the news? I said, I don't watch the news. And she said, Charles was shot, Gibbs says. I'm like, what? Gibbs was confused and asked what happened. Lori said Charles had been planning to kill her to cash in on $3 million life insurance policy. She also says Charles' sister, Kay Woodcock, who is the grandmother of JJ, whom adopted, Charles adopted, had turned into a zombie and was after her. She told me Charles had about $1 million in life insurance, and she knew when he passed away, she thought she was going to get the money. But she thought possibly the policy had been changed or had been switched from her to Kay, Gibbs says. Sure enough, months before his death, Charles made Kay the beneficiary of the $1 million, and Lori did not receive the money. Gibb says Lori told her Tylee received the funds after her father, Joe Ryan, died, and Lori also obtained government assistance as a single mother raising a son with special needs. According to research by EastIdahoNews.com, Lori was getting five to 6000 a month. On JJ disappearing, after Lori told Gibb in September that JJ was a zombie, the two decided it would be best to have him stay with his grandmother in Louisiana. According to Gibb, Lori said, he's in the way of our mission, so we need to send him to Kay's house. We talked about Kay, and we talked about some of the family members that could actually take him on. We talked about the conversation, or what the conversation would be like with Kay, and she wasn't sure if Kay would really receive him. That was the plan that I knew of. He was going to Kay's house. That's what I believed was going to happen, so I left there. I left thinking that's where he was going. Kay's for sure, Gibb said. I didn't doubt that. Gibb returned home to Arizona and spoke with Lori a few times. Lori told her about meeting Kay at the airport and leaving JJ with her. Gibb didn't think anything of it until two days before Thanksgiving. She was in Utah for the holiday and Chad called her out of the blue. She says he sounded scared and nervous. I'm still getting emotional about it. He said, Melanie, it's Chad. When the police call, don't pick up the phone, Gibb recalls. My heart just dropped. I was so confused. He said, yeah, the police are at Lori's house checking on JJ. I'm like, JJ's not with Kay? Chad replied, no, my heart dropped deeper. And I just knew something was wrong, but I didn't know. I didn't understand. Gibb wasn't sure what was going on and hung up the phone. Lori then called and sounded upbeat, cheerful, and unworried. 
She said, Kay is trying to kidnap him. And I said, how do you know that? Well, through the emails, I, I said, I have not read your emails. What did they say? Lori replied that the emails from Kay said, it's not like I'm going to kid kidnap JJ or anything. She led me to believe that everything was fine and that she was protecting JJ and not just Kay, but it felt like many people were after him, she recalls. Gibb says the emails did not sound like a threat, but Lori insisted everything was fine. She then allegedly told Gibb to lie to detectives. She asked me to tell the police that JJ was with me. I was going to drive to Arizona for Thanksgiving and he was going to go with me, Gibb says. She made it sound like we had arranged it or something. She was going to come down there later and pick him up. It was a foreign idea. I can't even tell you how uncomfortable it was. Holy then a more bizarre request. She said, I told that police that you were at Frozen 2 with JJ, Gibb said. <clears throat> Lori said, get your cell phone out and take a picture of random kids running around and make it look like you have him with you. Gibb refused to do what her friend asked and said she had a gut feeling that something was terribly wrong. It would not go away, and that's when she decided she needed to talk to the police. <laughs> go to the movie theater, take a picture of a random, random kid, kid, and say that is JJ. <laughs> there he is. Right there. See, right, you know which one he is. I don't need to point <laughs> him out to you. He's party. the one that looks like a seven-year-old over yeah. there. <laughs> He's the kid yeah. with the hair. Crash a children's birthday party. Just pan over. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of them. Yeah. Still Didn't panoramic. Did you see him? Yeah. <laughs> I saw him. There he goes. <laughs> oh, oh, he wow, just keeps he's going. <laughs> just keeps running away. I Quick can't little get a picture. In and out of frame. You just can't control him. Oh, look. Well, he was there. Kids. Take my word for it. Kids I saw him. <laughs> so, I wanted there. to believe her. I didn't want to think that she would do anything like that. I really, really, really wanted to believe her, Gibbs says. Gibbs said she spoke with police the day Lori asked her to lie about JJ's whereabouts. Over the next week, she talked with Lori a few times, and during one conversation, Lori mentioned going on a trip with Chad and his children to California. This was her message to those who believe Chad's teaching, teachings. Gibbs struggled with what was happening, and one night began confiding everything to another friend. They spoke until 5 a.m. Chad and Lori did not fit the pattern that the scriptures teach. I often think about when Jesus Christ was on earth, he healed people. He cast out evil spirits. He did not kill people. And if they did have an unclean spirit, he was able to get rid of it, and those people were okay afterwards. There was no pattern of this behavior, Gibbs says. He was always sharing where they were inclusive and hiding. This, had been, this has been very hush-hush, and that's not how God works. The mysteries of God, which they were always trying to unfold, are bringing people to Jesus Christ. Chad and Lori were not bringing that. It was not leading people to Christ. It was taking people away from him. Maybe they thought that they had this pretend relationship with him and led it to people dying. She said God was not behind their teachings. You think? Preach. How long did it take her to figure that out? Too long. Uh -huh. <laughs> but she thinks she was sealed to Chad in another life or married, whatever. <laughs> All of the above. Yes. <laughs> All of them. All right. You don't have to be running and hiding when you're transparent and doing the right thing when you're telling the truth you have nothing to worry about she says i got to see a secret combination unfold in front of me and i got to see it with my own eyes one of the main reasons gibbs agreed gibb agreed to be interviewed was so she could speak to those who followed chad's teachings or similar beliefs she admit she admits she was gullible and even confessed to detectives that she can't believe she was sucked in there are so many people other than chad that believe the teachings of many lives are multiple probations i want you to decide does having this information make you a better person does it make you loyal to your spouse? Does it make you feel like you're better than other people? Gibbs asked. 
If this idea of multiple probations has not been introduced, nobody would have ever died because they would have never thought they were married before. This is dangerous doctrine because it is not how God works. Gibbs says despite everything that has happened, she still loves Chad and Lori. She says they hopes they will, she hopes they will repent, tell the truth, and confess to authorities any wrongdoings they have done. Mind you, this is all before the children were found. Well, yeah. I'm only here to share the truth because of those that have passed away and that justice needs to be served. But if you're Lori, she's got to admit that these people are dead and it was because of their teachings and their ideas that had these things happen. You would have to admit that you actually had something to do with the death of your family, Gibbs says. It would, it would be hard to say. My belief systems are false. <laughs> she continues, I do feel sorrow for, sorrow for everybody involved. Everybody's hurting from this. She's in jail now. She doesn't get to be with Chad, who she loves. That's what she wanted so badly. And now she can't even be with him. It was a fatal attraction that led to their separation and people passing away. It's a tragic, tragic story. It was October 19th, 2019. Melanie Gibb was in Arizona when she received a text message from a friend who had learned on social media that Tammy Daybell had died. She was startled. Then again, her friend, Lori Vallow, and Tammy's husband, Chad Daybell, had told her weeks earlier that Tammy would die. I didn't know how they did it. But I knew it was part of the plan that she was supposed to pass away, Gib tells EastIdahoNews.com. I really can't wait for that autopsy. I know. It's it's going to come back as natural causes. But there, it's so just so for the record, there was a psychic that did an episode on this. And she said that she saw octopus poisoning in her visions, in her, in her psychic reading. You can get octopus poison in Hawaii, apparently. So, Pison. Pison. So Kauai was like their favorite place. You know, that was their, their yeah. Lori's happy place. So there's, there's a lot of con, uh, conspiracy, not conspiracy theory. There's a lot of theories that they got octopus poisoning and they octopus pisoned everybody. They pisoned you. That could, well. So. And that could cause uh, the stromboli. <laughs> <laughs> that Italian dish. <laughs> The stromboli that makes you die. <laughs> the meatball. Cause. The meatball. <laughs> it's in the meatball. <laughs> Natural cause of. The blood of God. The meatball. <laughs> so, Gib called Lori and asked Lori if she had heard about Tammy's death. Lori said she had not and acted surprised. But this was the same woman who had told Gib for months that she and Chad were supposed to be together. It was only natural that after Tammy's death, Chad and Lori would get married. Their whole goal was to get together because they expressed to me many times that Tammy would be okay with this as she passed on, Gib says. They said she may not remember it now, but, but she had a mission to fulfill on the other side. So both felt that she was where she was supposed to go. Melanie Gibb on confronting Lori and Chad. Lori and Chad married in a private ceremony on Hawaii Beach on November 5th. Less than three weeks after Tammy's death, unbeknownst to Gibb, Joshua, J.J. Ballow, and Tylee Ryan were missing and hadn't been seen since September. Gibb explained in part two of our series what Lori, had ch Lori and Chad asked her to do when they returned to Rexburg, and police showed up at their door looking for the kids. Gibb refused to lie to the officers but wanted to believe her friends. Finally, after a few days of soul-searching, soul-searching, she called Chad's phone and demanded answers. Lori picked up. I think the first question I said is, why haven't you told us where the kids are? Gibbs says. Lori responded, well, for your safety, we cannot tell you. That was just alarming to me. What safety? Why am I in danger? I didn't feel like I was in danger. Hmm. Gibb demanded to know why Lori had told the police that JJ and Tylee were with her. Lori admitted to lying, but said it was for the safety of JJ. She refused to give, give Gibb any concrete answers on what happened with the children and why she and Chad were not cooperating with law enforcement. 
She said it was a long conversation. I'm concerned for you, she recalls saying. I'm concerned for your salvation. This is not light. This is darkness. I was very uncomfortable talking to her. It was a disturbing conversation. I just continued to tell her that I was concerned for them, and I, and I am, and I was. Gib told Chad and Lori they were evil, and she did not have a testimony of the doctrine and teachings that they had shared with her. They hung up the phone, and since that day, Gib has not spoken to Chad or Lori again. Because she turned dark. Once you don't believe, you turn dark. Um, this was uh, Gib on Alex Cox dying. Hmm. Within weeks of that call, Lori's brother, Alex Cox, suddenly died on December 12th in Arizona. Gib was friends with Alex and his wife, wife Zalima Pastines, but had not spoken to them for some time. The bishop called and said, why are there cops around Zalima's house? He calls me back and says, he died, Gibbs says. That com completely threw me. I had many different ideas. I thought, did he kill himself? Or maybe somebody could have tried to kill him. I just really did not know. I was guessing all over the place. Earlier this month, the Maricopa County Medical Examiner announced Cox had blood clots in his lungs, high blood pressure, and died of natural causes. <laughs> There's that natural cause again. Keep popping it's just up. just natural cause. What are the odds? Just keep throwing that around. Apparently Natural very cult. high. <laughs> right? <laughs> when you're in this not cult, yeah. very high. It goes up. The percentage spreads goes the, up. Not, <laughs> the percentage. Natural I don't cost, know. But, but spreads faster than COVID. Yeah, over there. yeah it does. That's what I we should know. be quarantining about. <laughs> the natural cause. Natural, natural cause is killing more people than the COVID. Than the COVID. The vid. <laughs> the vid. The Rona. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> the Gilbert Police Department is still investigating the death, but one thing is certain. Alex was devoted and loved Lori. I think he felt like a good big brother that just wanted to protect his sister. They had a lot of fun joking around with each other, and they just had a good relationship, Gibbs said. Where are JJ and Tylee? Six weeks after Alex died, police served Lori and Chad with the search warrant <laughs> on the island of Kauai. EastIdahoNews.com asked them questions outside a beach resort, but they refused to say where JJ and Tylee are. Melanie saw the video of the encounter and says it was hard for her to watch. She said the video made Lori and Chad look more guilty. Like their faces How don't? more guilty do you need to be? It's the chins. <laughs> you know what? If you have more than seven chins when you look worried and you're a fish guilty. mouth, you're guilty. You're guilty. All right, if you really do believe your children are being harmed or you think that they're going to be kidnapped and you're worried about them, you would be happy to tell anybody and everybody about and the police about that, Gibbs says. You would not talk, you would not not talk and have no comment. I would think that you would interact if you really felt that they were in danger. Although she was very close to Lori and Chad, Gibbs says they never had told her where the kids are and she does not believe that they are alive. They're not on this planet anymore. I don't think they are. That's my personal opinion. Tylee is a very strong-willed individual, and she's capable of making a phone call if she needs to call. <clears throat> and she hasn't reached out to anybody and let anybody know, her, know she's alive, Gibbs says. I can't imagine she would be quiet the whole time. JJ's a handful, and he and wouldn't have his medication with him. So how could she take care of him? It doesn't add up. If they're in a safe place, why is Lori in Hawaii having a great time on their honeymoon when her children are hiding for their safety? That doesn't make, that doesn't even make sense. I think most people understand that. Gibb believes Alex may have done something to, to the children for Lori or a higher reason before he died. Lori's mother, Janice Cox, and her sister, Summer Shiflett, defended Lori in a recent interview and said she has reasons for not saying where JJ and Tylee are. Lori's niece, Melanie Pawlowski, 
Told EastIdahoNews.com, Lori has always done everything to protect her kids and has a plan. Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I have a plan. Well, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> Share. Yeah, I'd like to. Give me more We're peace. all listening. <laughs> yeah. Open ears over here. <laughs> You've got plenty of time to write it down. Yeah. <laughs> when asked if she thinks Lori's family, family members know more than they're saying, Gibbs says it's likely some do. I don't know all of what they know from Lori. I know some of them, what they know. I don't know what everybody knows, but some of them do know something. That's a tongue twister. I don't Holy cow. <laughs> I don't know what everybody knows, but some of them do know something. <laughs> oh. Seriously. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where I know something everybody knows. Oh, wait, wait. It starts earlier. I know some of them what they know. I don't know what everybody knows, but some of them do know something. Right. Words if, of wisdom. If a woodchuck could chuck wood. <laughs> I think she's just saying words to like confuse people so they'll stop asking questions. That's how that's that is politician speak right really there. Yeah. The strategy used <laughs> on Brandon Boudreaux. One aspect of the multi-jurisdictional complicated case involves mm-hmm. Melanie Pawlowski's ex-husband Brandon Boudreaux. Gibb met him briefly once or twice, but the two were not close. In October, somebody shot at Boudreaux when he was returning home from the gym. The main suspect in the shooting was Alex, but Gibb was unaware any unusual had anything unusual had happened until Melanie and Alex asked her to go to go by Brandon's home. I drove by to see if anybody was there because they, she was concerned about her children, and I talked to a neighbor. Gibb recalls, "This is all. This whole part of this whole interview is just weird to me. Like, can you imagine going to somebody's home that you don't know to to dr- just do a drive by and check on the children?" And then talking to a neighbor, like how how awkward would that be? So this I is where I don't believe them. I don't believe all of her crap. Um, I don't know your kids, or I don't know the kids, and I don't know the people. But I just want to make sure the kids are okay. I want to make sure some kids are okay that I haven't hey. seen before. What can you tell me, neighbor? I think some kids live in that house. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I wanted to hope that they're okay, so I was just looking. <laughs> Like, I see kids in there, but I don't know if those are the kids I want to check They may on. or may not be the kids in question that are supposed to be okay or not. Do they live there? I know those, something that somebody knows. Like, somebody I knows immediately something. am like, what kind of pedophile's wet dream are you living in that you think <laughs> I'm going to tell you about anybody's children in this neighborhood? Right? Doesn't that seem you out are of, out off of whack? your rocker. And Even if it's not the kids that I was thinking you, of. Do other kids that live here, sure why? Did your car get egged? We're good. Like, I have questions for you. What do you need to know? Did, well, your, did your business get egged? And did somebody s- shit in your lawn? It was Edison. Yes, <laughs> it was. No, that was Tyler. Oh, yeah. But if anybody wanted the kids checked on, wouldn't you have the police go there? Because you don't know them. So even if you went there and saw children, okay, you wouldn't know if it was them or not. Yeah. The whole thing's weird. So this was her speaking. I drove by to see if anybody was there because she was concerned about her children. And I talked to a neighbor, Gib recalls. He said that they had moved out two weeks ago. He said there were no children there, and he said, "I'm really glad they moved because on be, moved on because somebody tried to shoot at Brandon." So the neighbor just revealed this information. Uh-huh. Gib was startled and returned to, returned to share the news with Alex. His response was unusual. He said, "Oh yeah, we heard about that. He got shot at, but we believe that somebody tried to take a shot at him to make it look like it was us or make it look like it was me." She recalls him saying. <clears throat> Gibb didn't think anything more of the incident until later when details started coming to light. An earthquake, the end of the world podcasts. Long before the deaths of Charles Vallow, Lori's previous husband, and Tammy, 
And before the children disappeared, Lori repeatedly told Gib a large earthquake would happen in Utah, which it freaking did. So now we're all thinking that she's telling the truth. <laughs> right. <laughs> Skeptical. Like, California sucks right. so bad that earthquakes are moving to Idaho and Utah. <laughs> yeah. So Sorry, we don't need I mean, to clean our houses anymore because we've got They're all going month. to fall down anyway. Yeah, Sorry. we're done. Tell the Fornians to take the earthquakes and move back home. <laughs> the Fornian. Then, when Gib visited Idaho in September 2019, Lori said it would soon be happening again. She believed there was going to be an earthquake that was going to hit so large in Utah by the end of 2019 that people wouldn't notice anything in her personal life going on. She said, So when Chad and I get married someday, nobody will notice we're married because of the earthquake and different destruction going on. So she thought that this earthquake was going to take up all the news media and, and all the attention so nobody would notice anything about the kids being missing or her marrying Chad or anything like that. Nobody notices shit yeah. like that. <laughs> Especially when we're quarantined and have nothing else to do. Right. <laughs> you called that one wrong. You needed to advise that one a little bit different. Did you not visionary the quarantine? <laughs> yeah. Hello, Tiger King, Lori Bellow. <laughs> Prophecies. Prophecies. You didn't... You didn't you didn't, uh, you didn't officiate the prophecies. What said we were going to be COVID? Oh, it must have had a change of agency. Oh, because <laughs> that makes sense. Lori was confident nobody would pay attention to her, and that's why her plan wasn't orchestrated very well, according to Gibb. Lori often mentioned the world would end in 2020, and Jesus Christ would return to the earth. She based this belief on scriptural study and research. Gibb does. Gibb does not believe the second coming will be this year, but the topic has always interested her. Gibb discussed it as part of the pod, uh, as part of her podcast with the group Preparing a People. She was one of the main hosts and was joined by guests, including Lori and Chad. Chad appeared four times, twice on the phone and twice in person. Chad discussed his visions on the podcast, but privately told Lori and Gibb that God left the doors open for him to receive revelation. I would think that if he was such a visionary that he was portraying that he would have seen this investigation coming, Gibbs says. This is big. He would have seen this one. Chori. Ch- Chori. That's, that Chori. is a nickname for him. That yes. is a nickname for him. Chori's. Chad and Lori's relationship. Looking back at Chad and Lori's relationship now, Gibb describes Chad as the hand with her as the puppet on the hand. They're two people that have a lot of passion for a lot of things. They think a lot alike as far as spiritual ideas go. And he comes across as reserved and quiet, and she is not. I think ultimately they are just equally bad for each other, Gibbs says. think? Lori knew the scriptures well and read them while she sits in Madison County jail cell. Chad video chats with her, and they discuss religious doctrines that Gibbs says do not represent teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Later Day Saints. <laughs> These doctrines are dangerous, and look what they lead to. They lead to people dying. If that doctrine was not revealed, then these people would not have died. This has got to be such a painful thing for her to come to believe so that she realizes at some point she's gone against what is true. That would be hard to take in, especially, especially as much as she loves God, Gibbs says. Okay, Gibbs, have never, Gibbs has yes. never met any members of, the Ch- of Chad's family, but Lori occasionally spoke about them. After Tammy's funeral, Gibbs says Lori invited Chad and his kids over to her townhouse for cookies, and afterward Lori Gibbs told them they fell in love with her. Gibb thinks about Chad's children a lot and does not want them, does not want to harm them by speaking out. I am feeling sorry for their journey. They have no desire to say things about people that are hurtful. It's just truthful. This is very uncomfortable for me. I do care about those kids. I know Tammy does, and I'm sure it's hard to know who to believe. And my heart does go out to them, she says. 
I really want them to know it's really hard for me to talk about their dad because I really like Chad. I think he's a good guy. He's a nice man. I like him as a person, but his teachings, they're dangerous. Laurie repeatedly told Gibbs she could not wait to spend time with Chad, and their relationship was full of love and lust. Laurie was very, a very impatient per person, according to Gibb, and that led to their fatal attraction. So this is uh, Melanie Gibbs' message to Chad and Laurie. Gibb thinks about Chad every day. She knows he can... So this there's also been a little bit of speculation of a little menage a twizzle that Melanie... Well, that's kind of hand-in-hand hand with cult leaders who prophesize and get revelations. Literally every single one of them turns around as like... Polygamy. My job. Yeah, it's my job. And too. a lot of times it's with kids. It's, it's usually, pedophilia too. Yeah, so. and it has a lot to do Luckily with Luckily like, that didn't happen. Thank goodness. Um, but, but despite everything that's happened, Gibbs says she still loves and has a message for him. I still care for you and Lori. This is really painful what you're going through, but God has always taught us to be honest, she says. There are no exceptions to those rules. Even if you're guilty and confess, there's peace that comes with telling the truth. I know I have that peace because I've come forward because people have passed away. As she's faced circumstances over the past few months, Gibbs says there's only they've only made her faith stronger. She's pre preparing to be called a witness at Lori's preliminary hearing in July, and we'll see her friend face to face again. She also has a heartfelt message to Lori, who Gibbs says she, who Gibbs says holds so, so much information about this puzzling case that has devastated so many lives. We've had a lot of fun times together. We've laughed a lot, and I love her. Gibbs says, "I'm so sorry that she's been so deceived by Chad." I wish that none of this had happened. I have learned a great deal about deception, and now you, Lori, have learned a greater deal about deception. I just hope that you can really put aside a lot of what your wants are and be humble. He, God, still loves you. He still loves Chad, and you can always be forgiven. How long that takes, I don't understand, but he's a good God, and I know that he died for her too, and there's still hope. Gibb adds, if she comes to realize that what her inner feelings were, could Chad really be Satan? And yes. if so, he's a really good one. Maybe that was a little feeling telling you inside that he wasn't doing the right things and he's saying the right, and not saying the right things. On June, thir June 13th, 2020, FBI and local law enforcement issued a search warrant on Chad Daybell's property early that morning. They were only about they were only there for about four and a half hours and they discovered the remains of two bodies. One was located near the fire pit and the other was located near the outdoor shed. 48 hours later, they would verify what we all feared: the bodies belonging to JJ and Tylee, JJ Bellow and Tylee Ryan. The details of their deaths are still unknown, but here's what we know, know from the affidavit for probable cause. Wait, number nine. Did we talk about this? Number Melanie nine. Gibb has further informed me that Lori Vallow called Tylee a zombie in the spring of 2019. Gibb was on the phone with Lori and heard Lori call Tylee a zombie, to which Tylee responded, not me, mom. This arose out of Lori requiring Tylee to babysit JJ, and Tylee did not want to. Yeah, there's. They said that uh, Tylee, Tylee conveniently became a zombie when she hit puberty and got sassy. Lori told Gibb that Tylee had turned into a zombie when she was 12 or 13, which approximately the same time Tylee had become difficult to deal with. Every child, when they get difficult, it's because they're... There's Zombies. Zombie years. You know? I birthed a zombie. <laughs> the little one. <laughs> um, so let, we'll start on 20, 27. This is where they start getting, getting into Alex's phone, and that's how they know where the bodies are. <clears throat> so, 
just so you guys know that the affidavit is long and it goes into a lot of detail that we already know. Um, it talks about um, more about what Melanie Gibb revealed to the FBI. So if you guys want to look that up. We can post it on the uh, Color Me Dead page. I think it is posted, but we can is definitely post it. Yeah, okay. we can post it some more. So anyways, basically, in a nutshell, the way they found out where the bodies were, um, they, had, they had searched Chad's property before, but they didn't have any specific area that they knew where to search. So how they knew um, finally where to search for was they, they'd gotten Alex's phone and searched the records of where it had pinged. And if you, if you look at the, <clears throat> at the affidavit, it talks all about um, where it was pinged in Yellowstone, where it was pinged after Yellowstone, where they believe um, the timeline that JJ and Tylee were killed. Um, they do believe that Tylee was killed first and then JJ was killed later and they were buried at separate times. There's a <clears throat> text message um, from Chad to his wife saying that he was going to go burn the debris around the fire pit and that while he was out there, a raccoon had come. And he had to shoot the raccoon. He had to shoot the raccoon. It was close enough that one shot did the trick and that he buried the raccoon in the pet cemetery that they have. But it was... Uh, I do have a weird pet cemetery. Angel's place. got a pet cemetery. It's my favorite place to go hang out, too. It's where Roger is. I like your pet cemetery. Me, too. So, <clears throat> that that text, along with the pings, kind of gave them the exact location of where to go search. So, if you guys go to 27 on the affidavit, um, the FBI cast team has analyzed Alex Cox's movement the morning of September 23rd, 2019, by his cell phone GPS. At 9.55, Alex is again on Chad Daybell's property. He was there until 10.12. The pings on his phone locate Alex near the pond on Chad's property at the northern edge of his property. On June 3rd, 2020, I asked Special Agent Ricky Wright of the FBI to analyze the frequency of Alex Cox's visit to Chad Daybell's property during the month of September 2019. His re response was as follows. Per your request, I checked the visits by Alex, Co Alex to Chad's house again. There were only four visits by Alex during the month of September. These were on 9-6, 1241 to 1253, 99, 923, and 925. During the two visits on 9-6 and 925, all the pings were in and, at, in and around the house, and there were no pings anywhere in the backyard near or near the fire pit or pond. As you can see, these visits were also short, about 11 minutes and 17 minutes, like the one on 923, 17 minutes. The visit on 99 was the only long visit, approximately two and a half hours. Wow. On June, June 9th, 2020, a search warrant was executed at Chad Daybell's residence and property. With the assistance of a local FBI ERT team, we located at least multiple sites of interest. These sites were identified and corresponded to the cellu cellular data of Alex Cox's phone when he was on the property, mentioned in paragraphs 12-6, 12 through 16. Additionally, one of the possible sites correlated to a location on the property Chad had texted his wife about, mentioned in paragraphs 17 and 18. The first site of interest was located on the north side of the pond near the edge of the property. The site corresponded with the two GPS pings from Alex Cox's phone on September 23, 2019. A patch of ground was located that appeared to be disturbed. The weed growth on top of the disturbed ground was shorter than the surrounding weed growth. What appeared to be sod was etched also was noticed. The, the disturbed area was approximately four feet by two and a half feet. Members of the FBI ERT team removed the top layer of sod. Underneath the layer of sod were several large flat rocks. The rocks were removed and two pieces of flat paneling were found. The paneling was removed and investigators exposed a round object covered in black plastic. 
Upon exposing the round object covered in black plastic, a strong odor was noticed. An FBI ERT member used a small sharp instrument and made a small incision in the plastic and a layer of white plastic was observed. An incision was made into the white layer of plastic exposing what appeared to be human remains, the crown of a head covered in a light brown hair. The remaining dirt around this object was methodically removed, exposing what appeared to be a body wrapped in plastic. The plastic appeared to be tightly wrapped around the body and secured with gray duct tape. Cheryl Anderson, associate professor of anthropology at Boise State University, was present on the scene and advised the remains found near the pond appeared to be human. A second site of interest was located behind a red unattached outbuilding located roughly in the center of the property near a fire pit. Next to the fire pit is an area used as a pet cemetery. This site correlated to several GPS pings of Alex Cox's phone on September 9, 2019. Ground in this area was probed with a steel pole and several areas of disturbed ground were located. During a search of this ground, a buried cat and dog remains were found. A backhoe was used to dig further layers of dirt. While doing this, bricks were located approximately a foot below ground. Once the bricks were discovered, the soil was examined and what appeared to be two bones were located. Based on the condition of the bones, Cheryl Anderson was not able to determine whether the bones were human. Methodically, the dirt in this area was searched and several other items of interest were found, including other bones, charred tissue, and charred bones. Cheryl Anderson indicated that these additional bones, both charred and uncharred, and tissues found were human remains. Investigators provided photos of some of the partial remains that were found at the Pet cemetery to Sarah Getz, a PhD forensic anthropologist. Dr. Getz was able to identify those remains as being non-adult human bones. While officers were conducting their search of Chad Daybell, wait, while officers were conducting their search, Chad Daybell was observed by officers to be continuously watching where officers were searching. He was observed watching officers while sitting in his vehicle in front of his driveway while sitting, wait, while sitting in his vehicle in his front driveway and while sitting in his vehicle across the street at his daughter's residence. Around the time the head mentioned in paragraphs 32 and 33 was discovered, Chad Daybell was observed leaving his daughter's residence in a gray SUV. I and other officers pursued him in vehicle, police vehicles, conducted a traffic stop, and detained him due to the fact that human remains were discovered on his property. Hmm. So, I, I don't know what part it was, but there is a part somewhere that talks about how um, one of the neighbors, and I can't think of who it was, it might have been Melanie, um, saw Alex carrying JJ, who was sleeping Mm -hmm. it's in the Mm. affidavit yeah that's what i thought it was in part of the affidavit he was sleeping and that was like the last time anybody saw jj kind of yeah from what i could tell yes it's really disturbing just so you guys know if you read this affidavit it's 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 pretty chilling and um i know (laughs) i know that i'll probably never get this close to another another crime scene again i I yeah for everyone's sake involved. Mm-hmm. This one was rough too. And it, it's, kids I honestly it's felt like so I knew close. these kids by the end of it. I, I had talked to so many people and I'd been, had so many conversations with like Annie Cushing and, and all these people involved that I, I kind of felt like I was like solving the murder as it went, you know? And, uh, I don't know when, it, when I, when I, when I found out that they were the children, it was, it was hard. That was a tough one. 
Yeah, I was sick that day. I remember I, w- I kept watching my phone and I was like updating, which is not, you know, I don't usually Well, do I was posting on, on Color Me Dead, remember? I was posting memes and then like as the, right, as, as they were digging out. and then right after I posted, then they, then they had came across and said it was uh, human remains and that they thought it was the children. And I, my heart sunk and I'm like, mother of God, what did I just do? I'd ma- I'm making fun. Like I, that wasn't my intention. Well, no. <clears throat> Anyways, currently, Chad Daybell sits in jail with charges of two felony counts of destruction, alteration, or concealment of evidence. Each count has a max of five years in prison. Chad has taken a not guilty plea and has a bond of $1 million, same as Lori's. His defense tried to get it lowered by saying that he was not going to turn himself in when he left the scene. Okay. Hmm. Or that he was going to turn himself in. Okay. Many friends, family members have spoken out to offer their love, support, and heartfelt messages to JJ, Ty- JJ and Tylee. Janice, Summer, and Melanie P. are not those people. They had their lawyer write up a short paragraph that basically says, my bad, and they all signed it. Melanie Gibb posted a seven-page letter on ABOW. Basically, it's a religious mumbo-jumbo, taking the guilt of Chad and Lori and blaming dark spirits. So yeah, there's that. Preliminary trial is set in July for Lori and Chad, or for Lori, and Chad faces his charges later that month as well. And just so you know, I think they've both been moved to uh, August now. Oh, so, really? Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure about Lori's. I know Chad's. Uh, I saw a thing yesterday that his lawyer filed that he has he has uh, put it off until August. I And I think Lori's the same, but right now it says July 1st and 2nd, if not. Um, Chad, and Chad faces his charges later month, this month as well. It will be interesting to see what the prosecutor has to bring to the table in terms of new evidence. I'm sure there are many others that other things that are being left out of the general public's knowledge to protect the case. Last I heard, Chad denied his preliminary option, likely fear of witness of any witness they would bring forward and requested trial by jury. That's where we're at. Yeah, so if anybody wants to follow the group that I'm into, it's the True Crime Underground Lori Daybell Cult Mom. There's lots of discussion. And then you're on the... Um, it's called the, Chris, the Christmas Misery. Let me look up the exact... There's so much more insight in there. Like Annie Cushing is in this one as well. And she posts all kinds of stuff. Annie Cushing has actually left this one that I'm in. Oh. And I don't know why. Uh, It's Christmas Misery. Tylee Ryan and Joshua Vallow gone without a trace. Yeah. So if you want more into it, there's so much more. We could do hours more of theories and all that other yeah we could we could we could go down some rabbit holes that would probably fill up another four or five episodes at least so if you're really into it join one of those groups on facebook and you can go dive into it with those people because there's like full-blown discussions on every little there's people that have followed it like you that are like okay so go back to this part and then they'll have this whole discussion about it and i'm like wait yeah what so lost you can also go to AnnieLytics.com. That's Annie Cushing's website. Mm-hmm. And she's got the timeline and she continues to update it still. So I didn't, I didn't print off that timeline this time just because we had more information. Um, and I felt like it was better to go over the interviews, especially Melanie Gibbs. Cause she's, she, I, she's really the reason that, uh, they gave the, the officers reason to p- check, uh, Alex's pings, find out where he was like, uh, her, the information she gave was really crucial. And I think she's, it was right after her interview that all this went down. So I just want to know if, uh, Alex was natural caused because it, it seems like he is because they had him kill the kids. 
then they got rid of him and in their minds they can probably walk free that's didn't do it that's a that's a big theory right now is that they're both going to say that they didn't do it alex did it they're going to blame the 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 dead people so that they yeah. can they can which it's not going to it doesn't matter that it there's a whole lot of discussion about why they haven't been charged with murder and the reason is is they haven't been proven it hasn't been proved they don't have enough proof that they killed the killed the children so the bad thing about this is they can't, you know, double jeopardy. If they, if they charge them with murder and can't prove it, they walk, you know? So they've got to, they've got to find without a shadow of a doubt proof that their involvement in these murders. Good luck because with Ka- like Casey Anthony right there, yep. nobody saw it. They don't have proof. There's not enough evidence. She knew about it, but that's. Well, we... That's it. Yep. The difference in this case, though, is that they do have enough right now to charge them with what they're what they're being held on. So they're going to spend at least 15 to 20 years in prison. At least. Um, no judge in his right mind is going to give him uh, concurrent time. So they'll do... You know, Chad's got uh, two two counts of, of that each hold, hold a five-year sentence. So he's looking at 10 years guaranteed. She's got um, two counts plus a bunch of misdemeanors and he's got misdemeanors too. So they can have all these run, um, consecutive, which means that they'll run, they'll serve five years and then they have to serve the next five years after. So they've got enough on them that they're not going to, it's not going to be like Casey Anthony where she just walks. They have enough proof that they, they were involved and they have, they have proof of that. So they're going to serve time. They're just trying to get enough evidence to where they can charge them with murder or conspiracy to murder. Well, hopefully something comes out with Tammy because, Timeline-wise, the kids were more than likely killed while she was still alive. She was alive. Yeah. So that that's another thing is she didn't die until October. Yeah. So I wonder if she knew, if she saw, or if that was just part of the plan. Like, you're one of the natural causes. You're on the natural cause list. Well, and I, I, I think she's going to come back the same as Alex. I think that they're going to mm-hmm. come back. Her autopsy is going to read the same as Alex's, and she was strombolied. And... <laughs> Can they do a tox report then? Like, I wonder if any of that would show up. Does that's does the a, octopus poison show up? I think on the that I think that that's what they're. I think that's why it's taken so long because they said that an autopsy can come back within a month. However, toxicology reports to, in in a an exhumed body will take uh, longer. So that's why Six they're months. Yeah, that's why they're saying it's taken so long right now. Is because they they got the tox they got the autopsy back but now they're digging deeper into the toxicology reports and stuff i wonder if they'll do the same with alex they are oh they are they are yeah that investigation's not over they're still they're still it's very much open and wasn't the invest investigation (laughs) well investigation the investigation sounded out sounded out (laughs) um about alex killing charles charles is right right he's the bellow isn't that still up? Because he never got charged with that. He never he? got charged with it, but really, I, yeah, they're they're investigating it, but there's really nothing that can be done at this point. No. They may be able to charge um, Lori with conspiracy mm-hmm. on that one. So they they are looking into that to to maybe charge Lori with more. I just can't believe you can shoot somebody in the chest and everybody walks away from yeah. it. Yeah, we how long he ago? Was evil, and he had so... a little scratch on his head. He hit me with the bat. Right. It was almost a year ago now. That's the that's the <laughs> most disappointing part of this entire case is that those children were completely failed by four different police departments. And I can't really say Kawhi. You know, Kawhi, uh, they did what they could with what the information that they got from Rexburg and everything. But I really feel like Chandler Police Department dropped the ball. Um, no offense to Chandler Police Department. 
I don't need a lawsuit. But we can have opinions. That's our First Amendment, right? If you if you guys if you guys want to go back and look at some of the videos, they have uh, body cam footage of Charles Vallow begging them to do something, oh, yeah. begging them to do something. He had to break into his own home. They have they have uh, body cam footage of him coming back from Texas when she took the truck and and uh, cleared out the entire house, including his underwear and everything. There's there's body cam footage of that, and Charles is the most calm, cool, and collective guy I've seen in that situation. I can't believe that he was, and he was just begging them, telling them, "I think she's dangerous, guys. I I need you guys to look into this, and um, she needs help, and I worry about her." And you can tell he still had love for her, you know, but she had just fallen off her rocker. So <clears throat> there's that body cam footage. There's body cam footage of another incident with her going to the police department saying that he stole her purse. There's uh. There's just a new one just came out and I can't remember what it is, um, but it's another one of Charles and he's, yeah, I, know, I saw that one. He's or, uh well, again, he's, it, he's very calm. And, and I really think that that's why the police kind of just took it as nonchalantly as they did is because of how calm he was. You know, he didn't show fear. He didn't show, he was just, you know, he was he wasn't at it. You know, I don't know. But it's her- sad. It's very sad. And I feel bad. I feel bad that Charles went out the way he did because he was doing everything in his power as a devoted loving husband and father to try and get help and nobody would reach out and help him. Um, there was somebody on this underground thing and she was like, I'm sick or something. And I decided to go look up Emma Daybell, Mm -hmm. her Pinterest boards. And there's all kinds of things on there about a psychopath, sociopath, what you need to know about psychological manipulation Differences between a psychopath and a sociopath. What? This is what uh, Chinny Chad's daughter has all over her Pinterest. Your mixed feelings about your parents are valid. Oh. And she's the one that was trying to stand up for him, right? She was standing up for him for a long time. And she has, like, the most obvious, like, pins in her... I don't know what to do. my dad's a sociopath. If you go go look on the... Go look on the... uh, They don't, what they've done is they've made a bunch of uh, alias profiles on Facebook. Like some girl, so I'm in that Daybell meme page. If you go look at that, it's freaking hilarious. But um, we just got a friend request from uh, Joanna Dubell. Dubell? Like, Dubell. Yeah, Dubell. Like Kroger version Duh, of perfect. <clears throat> so um, we, like it's pretty obvious that they're a Daybell, but. They're trying to join all these groups and see what everyone's saying. And it's kind of, again, it's kind of obvious because they're like, like her last comment on the day, the Daybell memes page, which is a total uh, joke, you know, dark humor page. She gets on there and says, don't blame the children. They're innocent. Like, all right, bitch, we know it's you. This is a joke page and you're coming on here trying to. But anyway, in my opinion, other than the children and Charles and Tammy, everybody else is free game for memes. For real. I'll make fun of all of them. Well, they all, yeah, they're all a bunch of, it's a shit show. It's a real shit show. A real one? A real. As opposed to a fake one? Yeah, there are fake shit shows out there. All right. This is a real one. The real shit show. But there's pictures of Emma on four-wheeler. Have you seen those pictures? Mm -hmm. Emma on the four-wheeler with her husband, maybe? You can see the freshly dug dirt in the background of her where they found the kids She's trying to hit well that. his Guys, son <laughs> his son did a, a was trying to promote his business and did a, a video sitting on the fence and you can see the fire pit in the back with the disturbed oh 
background Holy as well. Crap. All of them are trying to help. Like, I Guys, don't think it's like they're leaving movies? little breadcrumbs the whole right? way. Nobody even caught it. Right? Look at this. It was a raccoon. A raccoon. A raccoon. A raccoon. That's what One they shot call did him. it. That's what they call him in Idaho. Just kidding. <laughs> I did. They had a they had a memorial for uh, a, a vigil, a candlelight vigil. Say it right. They had oh. a heel. Oh, I was like, how do you say it? <laughs> I was confused. Um, for uh, JJ and Tylee last week while I was in Provo, and uh, one of the listeners, Elena, went to the vigil and put flowers on the grave for me, which Aww. was so nice. Nice. Um, and wrote a note note to. Uh, Larry and Kay for me. So that was kind of cool. That was really cool of her. She lives right there? She lives in Rexburg, I think. I have family that lives in Rexburg. I should there, was a lot of, there was a lot of uh, people at that V-Hill. Um, <laughs> there was the friend from uh, Kauai was there. Um, Nate Eaton was there. Uh, Justin Lum was there. There was a lot of people from uh, that were like the big players in this. So it's kind of cool. Wow. That would be weird to go like actually see him because like sometimes when you're telling it, it's like a, a story and then when you go actually see it then it's like oh shit yeah. this is real yeah yeah it yeah. was it was pretty powerful stiff goodness you're right well that's enough for our for this update uh, but we'll i'm sure with, yeah oh yeah we ain't done yet sure this isn't the last of Lori. And so, Chinny Chinny Chad. And oh, the Chinnington Chad. Um, Chinnington. There's still the trials, which are going to be hilarious. I want oh, yeah. the autopsy on the kids. Yeah. I don't. I, I do. I want to know, but I don't want to know. I do just because in one of the updates egregious. that I was... Egregious. It was the most egregious thing that like that they had seen. And I don't know if... <laughs> this is egregious. This is egregious. <laughs> I don't know if they meant the condition of the body. Or how poorly they were buried and hidden. Or if it was like both. But I want to know. Like I want to know deep down inside the morbid curiosity that feeds my true crime desire. Like I want to know. Well I just want to know just because I don't like not. I, like I, I don't want them to have undone. suffered. Yeah. But I do want to know how they. Right. I almost feel. And th- this is another thing and that's been said like a, a theory. Um, that JJ was slowly poisoned. Uh, they think and both, succumb to mm-hmm. his which makes sense oh, they, you're they, they think that they both, they both were kind of slowly given octopizen pizen octopus pizen that was weird when she was saying like <laughs> he went he was going off of his medication too like what if he she started doing it then or something like that yeah when when did he stop taking his medication though wouldn't that have been right around the time he died um now I'm I don't or I'm the not time sure, we think he died I, I'm I'm not sure. I'd have to look that one up. I'm I'm getting a lot of things mixed up in my head right now because I want to say it was in July. Was it? But I I don't think it was. I I think it was when she moved to Rexburg. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. And was in September. Like uh, I can't remember. Honestly, I can't remember. I, I'll, I'll throw the. This isn't confusing enough without me throwing a bunch of confusing. No kidding. Shit yeah. It is. So it's late. It is. Let's do this. Let's. We so, made it through all of the sentences. Um, so perhaps don't get natural caused. And, stay uh, out of natural caused chalk lines. And stay out <laughs> of natural ch- causes. <laughs> yes. Stay out of octopus poison. 
Don't get that pison. Don't get that pison pocket. Don't Okay, and uh stay, stay out, out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.